Space, the nerdiest frontier. This is the content warning of the USS Word Balloons. Our continuing mission to solve every nerdy question and talk about penises more than you really think we probably should. Just your fair warning, as again, the aforementioned penises, plus we will swear, and who even knows, the questions have taken me in research directions I never expected. You have been warned. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Zach. We're Aeronauts and we're back with more Word Balloons. We've been flying higher on our own hot air, but have stopped our journey to Utopia Planitia to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? What are the greatest brain slugs in science fiction? So, my number one answer isn't a slug. Okay. It's close. Is it the Hypnotoad? No. It's the Babblefish. Different than what I was thinking about, but that works. Because it still goes in and wraps itself around, except but, it's just helpful. Yeah. Editor and so is Stephen huh. here. Uh, you, I've, I've, you've mentioned the Babblefish before, but I don't know it contextually. Um, so, like, I, I've, I've it's heard from of Hitchhiker's it. Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. okay. It is a fish that you put in the ear, and then it eats. It's yeah. Let's see here. It's a, <laughs> so here's how it's dis- described in the guide. I have the guide's official description. The babblefish is a small, yellow, leech-like, and probably the oddest thing in the universe. It feeds on brainwave energy received not from its own carrier, but from those around it. It absorbs all unconscious mental, mental frequencies from this brainwave energy to nourish itself with. It then excretes into the mind of its carrier a telepathic matrix formed by combining the conscious thought frequencies with nerve signals picked up from the speech centers of the brain, which has supplied them. The practical upshot of all this is that if you stick a babblefish in your ear, you can instantly understand anything said to you in any form of language. The speech patterns you actually hear decode the brainwave matrix which has been fed into your mind by the babblefish. Now, it is such a bizarrely improbable coincidence that something so mind-bogglingly useful could have been evolved purely by chance that some thinkers have chosen to see it as a final and clinching proof of the non-existent of God. The argument goes something like this. I refuse to prove that I exist, says God, for proof denies faith, and without faith I am nothing. But, says man, the babblefish is a dead giveaway, isn't it? It could not have evolved by chance, it proves you exist, and by your own argument, you don't. QED. Oh dear, says God, I hadn't thought of that, and vanishes in a puff of logic. Anytime I read anything from Hitchhiker's Guide, I understand how a Douglas Adams show ran... Doctor Who for several years. This continues. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, that was easy, says man. And for an encore goes on to prove that black is white and gets himself killed on the next zebra crossing. Most leading theologians claim that this argument is a load of dingo's kidneys, but that didn't stop Ulan Kolifid from making a small fortune when he used the- it as a theme of his best-selling book, Well, That About Wraps It Up For God. Meanwhile, the poor babblefish, by effectively removing all barriers to communication between different races and cultures, has caused more and bloodier wars than anything else in the history of creation. (laughs) I'm a fucking heretic. My favorite version of Hitchhiker's Guide is the movie. I'm not a big fan of the original book. Really? Yeah. I'm only familiar with the movie, personally. I think the movie is underrated. I really like the movie. The movie has... I... Like, I like it because it's impossible to adapt that book, and I think the movie gets as close as you can, but the way 
it can only adapt so much of the book, so it's literally missing 90% of the humor for me. Now, I will also state part of this is Douglas Adams was never one... Douglas Adams was never one to repeat a story, but always one to repeat a story, Mm because he just, once he did Hitchhiker's Guide, he just kept doing different Hitchhiker's Guides in different mediums. Yes. He did a play, he did the TV series, he was involved in the movie, and then he fucking died. So, people are like, it's so different from the book. They all are. Now, I it has to be different than the book because legit most of Adam's humor comes from his writing style mm-hmm. and the way he describes things rather than what's actually happening. Within the what little I've heard of people talking about the book, it feels very inherently tied to the written form. Yes. It's very Terry Pratchett in that respect. Mm-hmm. I think he's a better writer. I think Pratchett's a better writer, but again, I don't know. There's a a cynicism to Hitchhiker's Guy Adams that I don't share, so that might be part of it. Mm. And I also have not read these since high school, so who knows? The later books are actively bad, but he was trying to sabotage it so people would stop asking him for more books. <laughs> I actually like the the later ones too, but he killed they do a... they do fall off compared to the first one though. So. He purposely changed everyone's character, I think, for book four just so people would stop asking him to write and they kept demanding more books so he just killed everyone. Yeah, it's wild. Oh god, I I I'm not a, a writer or a creator of anything like that. So, but I would love to be in the position where like I just like, well, I don't want to do this anymore, so I'm going to fucking take it off the table. Oh, uh, the guy that made Gundam was so scared of one of his other shows becoming a another huge franchise that he ended the series by just blowing up the planet and everyone on it. Rocks fall, everyone dies. Literally. <laughs> Prequel series. He also later talked about major depressive episodes that he had that led to some really fucked up things in his animes, but... Um, um, <laughs> space slugs. I was about to say, so for actual brain slugs, my choice is going to be the Yerks. Yerks from Animorph are probably my number three, but the, we could not get through without mentioning them. The space slug really is a... Or brain slug. Space brain slug. It really is a staple of science fiction. Here's a slug thing that goes in your brain and takes over. And most of us from our generation was introduced to it due to the fucking 50 book treatise on the horrors of war that was the Animorph series. The series started off so fun, did not expect it to go into actual horrors of war and ending up with... Everybody severely screwed up by the end. The romantic pairing that you've spent the entire 50 book series going for is like broken by the horrors of war and never talk to one another again. Like, I should really read these books at some point. I've never read the Animorph books at all. I, I never finished them, um, uh, but I. They made a TV series, yes? Yes. I've watched a few episodes of it, I think. That's where I was introduced to, um, what's his name that ended up playing Iceman. Oh, really? Yeah. I get him and his twin brother confused, because one played Iceman and one played Jimmy Olsen on Smallville. Oh. <laughs> um, I can't think of either of them. And they, right they definitely got pigeonholed into a lot of the same roles. One of, was, didn't one of them end up going to do that what, D- Division 23 or something, the Xbox game, that or Quantum Break? Oh, I think you're right. Um, but I, I, what I found funny... Like, they just kept doing like a lot of like, One of them was weird, a Warehouse 19, or yes. a Warehouse 13, whatever it is. Warehouse something. Warehouse 13, it was definitely that. Well, what I thought was funny is that he went from being Iceman, and then they... Uh, stunt casted him in The Boys as Lamplighter. Oh, yeah, that's right! On Animorphs, they released a toy line, but what they did is they just took the Beast Wars toys and, like, put human heads on them so they don't look remotely... No, I had one of them. I wanted them. Because oh, the Beast Wars might have had two of them. Fucking slapped. Yes, 
But just putting a human face on them does not make them better. Because <laughs> it makes them better, in my opinion. We have very different opinions on the Beast Wars toys, but... <laughs> my first email address might have been Eats Andalites for dinner at Yahoo. The Andalite Chronicles kicked all kinds of ass. The yes, Yerks, the Andalites are so fucking cool, but... I think the problem is the Yerks are the least interesting part of the Animorphs. Saga. Like, the Andalites do all sorts of cool stuff. The Hork-Bajir are fucking awesome. Dope. The giant centipede things. Oh, the, uh... They have two X's in their names. Yeah, I don't fucking remember. I haven't read that book since mm-hmm. I was, like, 12. So, oh god, that was 22 years ago. Oh, I uh, say, I like the Yerks because they're both horrifying, but have a weakness, so that it's fun to kind of try to plan how you would actually, like, fight against them. Because they do have to leave their host once every three days to go feed, and if they don't do that, then they kind of just, like, forcibly eject from their host and die. That is fun. That is an important part. And Vizier 3. I was about to say, and later on, you find out that, like, most of the Yerks don't understand what they're doing. Like, they don't really have any... sort of, like, sensory, Mm -hmm. like, bringing in themselves, and they live, they, like, evolved on a planet where the same type of morality didn't exist. It was more blue-orange morality. And so they're just like, this is our lifespan. This is, this is what we do. This is how we perceive the world is by going into something else. And like, this is how we can actually interact with things. And they just kind of get uh, goaded along into this war by their leaders that actually are pretty fucking evil. But Yeah, I remember Visitor 3 being one of the bigger mm-hmm. bad guys of my childhood. Oh, absolutely. See, I like the Yerks. I have to give the Goa'uld from Stargate SG-1 a higher ranking because it's basically the same thing, but with really over-the-top god complexes and fucking Richard Dean Anderson having to go into a bath of shrimp because it was supposed to replicate him being in a, like, bath of baby Goa'uld. Which is terrifying. So the Goa'uld are basically the same thing from SG-1. They are a brain slug that goes in... They have a tendency to kidnap humans from Earth thanks to the Chapa Eye, which is the Stargate, which they tell everyone they created, but they did not. They're just a scavenger species. And they have convinced major parts of the galaxy there's gods. So it's rain slugs, but also you might be fighting Horus. Horus or Bale is one of the better ones or... Apophis was a major... He he should have stayed dead when he came back the second time. It wasn't very fun. But, you know, all sorts of... It's the devil. Mm-hmm. Pretty much if you weren't a Norse god, you were probably one of the Goa'uld. I also liked them because they had various different versions. There was the Tok'ra, who were Goa'uld, who decided that it was a bad thing to take over people's brains. And they were a... They were, in theory, a symbiotic instead of parasitic brains. Like, mm-hmm. like the... the host could take over and it was a, a two people working together but there was always the question of how much control the Tok'ra were still exhibiting and the Tok'ra were definitely put the value of the brain slug over the human host and then they did the, the minions were the you would put an infant Goa'uld inside a human and they would become the Jaffa which was like superhuman Mm-hmm. I do want to bring up the trill in Star Trek, but you said there is there one in Futurama that's brain yeah the, slugs? the, the brain slugs oh um, it's just straight up brain the ones <laughs> the ones in Futurama are kind of just an on the nose like sci-fi has brain slugs so we have it's brain what slugs I love as about well. Futurama they're very aware of what they're and it's very obvious when somebody has a brain slug on except people kind of act like it's not obvious <laughs> oh it's the, it's actually like sitting on yeah. their head I do I have seen yeah and it's kind of 
of implied that they're mostly... It's kind of implied that they might slowly digest people's brains while they're on there. Mm -hmm. But that's mostly because one of them starves to death while on Fry's head. But you do learn in other episodes that Fry's brain is weird and kind of immune to mental shenanigans, too. So that also might be the reason. Yeah, he has, like, like weird wavelengths of yeah. brain frequencies or something. Or he, like, it's... It, Early on, it's implied that he's too dumb for it, but then it's later that he just literally has, like, a... His brainwave is weird. Is, yeah. is just wonky. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it, early Fry is kind of Homer Simpson without the family. Later Fry is a much more nuanced... Yes. ...character. Damn, I need to rewatch Futurama. That I've never really watched past the movies they made after the original series got cancelled. I never finished... Mm. Now, I've seen the original three seasons many, 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 many times, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... God, that episode's great. It's so obvious, because Hermes gets a brain slug, and he's like, yeah, so your guys' next assignment is to go to the brain slug homeworld and just stand around not wearing helmets. <laughs> yeah, brain slugs might be my favorite pick. My question is, do do you count Dax from Star Trek? That's the trill, which I'm about or to the talk trill. about. Yes. Okay, because then that one, that would definitely be on my list, then, I think. Trill do and don't count, because they are, I mean, they go in the stomach, but they are functionally the Star Trek brain slug. They're of been a few others. There was an insect thing in Star Trek that took over much more like the brain slugs we're talking about from a really disgusting first season episode of Next Gen. But the Trill are slug-like, and they are symbiotic creatures. They're not parasitic like most brain slugs are of like, I have taken over. The Trill cannot actively influence, and it's not two different personalities. It is a single personality combined. So we'll use uh, Jadzia, who is, or we'll use the Dax symbiote from Deep Space Nine, which is the one we get the most time with. The Jadzia was her own original person. She was a Trill species, but not the Trill symbiote, because it's two species on the same planet. She, through years of training and testing, gets the right to get a symbiont, because there's way more Trill than there are symbionts. She gets merged, and she gets all of the memories and experiences of the previous hosts of the Trill, of the Dax symbiont, in her. So she goes from being a very studious, uncertain person to like, adventurous, violent sex with Worf, badass. While also still being, you know, amazing scientist, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Jadzia dies because Terry Farrell left the show, and they bring in Ezri Dax, who is someone else who got the symbiont. So she now has all of Jadzia's memories, as well as all of the previous ones. But she wasn't trained for it, so she wasn't fucking ready for it, and gets weird conflicting feelings because... Jadzia had been married to Worf, and she's not interested in Worf, but the Jadzia part of her still really wants to fuck Worf. I mean, I get it. <laughs> Michael Dorn is Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn is Michael Dorn. Mm -hmm. And then also Worf in and of himself, position of power, you know. My mom had such a crush on Worf, and she'd be so mad if she listened to this podcast and found out I said that where people can hear it. <laughs> um, she's not wrong. My mom definitely fucking had a crush basically on everybody in Next Gen. Especially when you got the ponytail, she was all about that. <laughs> uh, which is fair. The ponytail Ponytail is a much better look for Worf. Yeah. I mean, it's a good look. Uh, he's, I, I think, the only one in that whole series who could pull off a ponytail. Yeah. I feel like, okay, so, I mean, this is a dumb way of putting this. If you have to deal with any of the brain slugs, obviously the Trill is the best one to deal with because you just become a cooler version of you. With, like, wicked, awesome background knowledge yeah. you did. Hey, I remember before. being a Starfleet Admiral and, like, all the experience that goes with that. Let's do this, Starfleet Academy, as opposed to, like, well... 
My personality doesn't exist anymore, and now I'm dressed up in gaudy, fake Egyptian jewelry. Let's, I don't know, take over this planet? <laughs> People with weird oversized snake helmets that look like they're about to fall over all the time because they're top-weighted are going to, like, hang they out with me. They legit look like they're wearing, like, Elden Ring helms. I want <laughs> to make one extremely badly. <laughs> I don't, there's also, I keep thinking of brain slugs that aren't slugs. Like, yes. Like a good, a good recent example is the fucking butterflies in Peacemaker. Ooh, that's actually a really great example. I went with brain slug for this one because it's kind of the most common trope. Yes. But insects are an extremely common, or worms, because the, they kind of have a worm-like appearance in a couple places. Mm -hmm. The butterfly in Peacemaker is a good one I didn't even think of, but totally qualifies. Um, really liked Unity and Rick and Morty, which once again, not I've a slug. I've never watched enough Rick and Morty to have. Uh, <laughs> but that's like a con like a collective consciousness. Yeah, Unity is a, a hive mind creature that can take you over using this green slime and so when you first run into her she's possessing this entire planet and you find out she's one of rick's exes and like there's like a b plot where summer is trying to be like this isn't right you can't just take over people and when you finally find out like yeah so without unity controlling this planet they were in the middle of a civil war where they're trying to genocide each other because of the shape of nipples and and then eventually it was like okay well you guys still need to not be together because rick is a terrible influence on you rick is a terrible influence you could have just ended it there yeah. <laughs> It's the lesson of Rick and Morty that no yeah. one is getting. You should not idolize this fucking mad scientist. It was a really good episode. <laughs> it was. And I don't know. I liked Unity. Uh, what was the, the the weird scarab-looking brain slug thing they did in the uh, the Star Trek reboots that they put in Pike's ear? Oh, those mm. are a little different. They don't, like, take control. It's more of, like, a Paris... Like, they're gonna put... They're just gonna scramble your brain. Those are based off of a, I think, crab thing from uh, Star Trek Two. Wrath of Khan that does basically the same mm -hmm. thing where they put it in and you become extremely susceptible to suggestion but it's not the it's not the same it's not kind the of insect thing slug. that's like taking over yeah. it's not like making you suggestible it's causing so much pain you're suggestible type yeah situation well and it so. like tamps down on parts of your brain so you uh are, it's Khan not taking you, over so much as it's making you lose your control. Yeah, so you will do what other people say. Like, it feeds gotcha. off the independence or whatever. I don't... It looks far too big to put in somebody's ear, but especially in Wrath of Khan, where they do a similar thing. Slightly smaller, but still, it is vis ugh, visibly uncomfortable. Like... <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, there's just a ton of... Like, most they just body get... snatcher scenarios involve some form of it. It's just whether it stays at normal brain slugs taking over people or, like, some examples they end up dying, in which case they're more like parasite zombies and it gets complicated, but it's a well-worn trope. <laughs> I think my favorite of the gold, if we're going to talk about, like, not Trill, who are not really brain slugs in the way we're talking about, but, like, offensive brain slugs because they're just so over-the-top and goofy, but... But Animorphs, the Yurk, is at least a good answer is mine. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you mentioned, just as describing the, the other things, scarab, the scarabs in DC are kind of supposed to be brain slugs. Oh, like the Blue Beetle. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kajiba. wow. I never thought about it like that. But that The definitely... armor does take over. That almost brings in, like, the Bio Booster Armor Giver unit, although yep. it doesn't have a personality in the same way. But, but I mean, the it way does the make some people are... go insane mm -hmm. and just on murder sprees. Like... like, I guess it depends on how broadly you want to define it. And then at that point, you can start bringing in other examples too. But Man, we never for really... slug slugs, I'm still going Yerks. We never really do like this versus that, but Guyver versus the Blue Beetle would be a fun one. Mm -hmm. um... 
I don't know. I think that's what I have for slugs. There's a ton of examples that I just can't even think of right now because yeah. there was a there was a heyday of that kind of thing happening, especially during the Cold War. Very Cold War. Well, we were you know Operation MK Ultra. We were so sure that mind control stuff was a thing the Russians were doing that it kind of bled into large parts of our society. But I think. Our top three answer is Yerkes Goa'uld Trill. Oh, uh, one more. Uh, the Aliens and the Faculty. That's probably my number two. Is that the one with Elisha Wood? Yes. Okay. And what was Josh? Josh Hartnett. Cleo Duvall. Um, uh, uh, Faruka. No, what's oh, her Fonka name? Janssen. Fon- Fonka Janssen. Thank you. That, that's her name. Uh, John Stewart. Um, oh, it's got Usher. The, the, it's got the guy who replaces Mulder in uh, X Files. Um, uh, mm-hmm. He's the coach that I cannot remember his name. Oh, Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick. Wait, isn't he the super racist dad in Peacemaker? Yes. Jesus Christ. He's also the T one thousand. Yeah, but. But we all know that. <laughs> Super racist dad and peacemaker. I don't want to say like that's the good role because him dying was so cathartic. But oh god, oh god, he did a good job. Okay, not the episode we're on. I love the faculty. I love this addition to the brain slug ones. I uh, wholeheart. This is on my list. This is probably my number two. Probably behind the Futurama uh, brain slugs. Firstly. And I'm just going to recommend it if you ever get that opportunity, watch the uh, TV edited version of The Faculty. Oh, no, I've never seen that. How? <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it's, they, they, uh, spe- specifically the one that replaces the swears with uh, uh, not adjacent, but uh, replacement words. Oh, it's like in Mallrats where they replace shit with snot. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Yes, that, that level. It is. Holy snot, mother something Yoda and snot. <laughs> <laughs> also, Faculty. Maybe overall Bob Rod's best movie. Wait, that's a Bob Rod movie? That's a Bob Rod movie. I don't give it his best movie, but it's up there. It's one of his earliest. Personally, the Desperado series ranks higher, personally. I think we're not on General Nerdy. We actually have to answer some questions here. Well, fine. In that case... Go listen to our other podcast if you want to hear us get way off topic as much as we are. In order to keep our journey going, we're going to have to drop some ballast. <laughs> Luckily, Zach is stuffed to the brim with assorted genre facts. I'll prod him a bit and see what shakes loose. Remember, any misses or mistakes will have to be made up for at the end of our trip. Today, we'll keep this expedition's theme of starships. So, Zach, what knowledge can you drop on the invisible hand? It's from Star Wars. Is that some of Thrawn's stuff? No, that's the Hidden Empire. It's... It's not Stinger, it's not... All I can tell you is Star Wars. I'll tell you whose ship it was, and then we'll leave the rest for the redemption. Grievous. Ah, fuck. Okay, yeah. So, uh, I'll do the proper thing, but it is the flagship of the Confederacy of Independent Systems from Episode 3. It's the one that uh, uh, Palpatine was kidnapped on. There we go. That's it for today, folks. We're taking off. Before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows at earverm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. And as always, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gady, and to Ian Ford for our theme song tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away.